Hey everyone, welcome to Medically Speaking. This is Robin Sills from Trinity Health of New England. Johnny still has my Calypso music going for our Medically Speaking. It's still summer. That is, as I've said in the past, that is the the tune that we use on one of our Trinity Health of New England commercials. So, but I still think it sounds Calypso. We may need to go to a winter theme. Of course, I don't want to talk winter too soon. So welcome everyone. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, I apologize. Our last show two weeks ago, we did end up running a tape um, kind of at the last minute. But due to the hurricane, um, my speaker had gotten tied up, but he's going to join us later tonight. Um, He got tied up chopping down trees, actually. And we felt that with all the loss of power, it was probably better we run a tape and then go live with our program this week. So I thank you for your indulgence on listening to a tape. Um, But here we are live and in person tonight, Johnny and I in the studio. And I will have two physicians joining us tonight. I don't usually have a split program, but I am splitting the program tonight because I have two specialists on. They're both pediatricians. Um, One pediatrician is going to focus on the inpatient setting we have at St. Mary's Hospital. And then the second pediatrician will focus on our um, emergency room services for pediatrics. And this time of year, I do usually um, have conversations with pediatricians because we talk a bit about back to school and vaccinations and an upcoming school year, what's important. And because of COVID, because that we're still really in a pandemic, even though we feel like we're a little bit in a better place right here in the state of Connecticut, um, because we're in co- we are in this pandemic and within COVID, we wanted to be sure that we got some information out to you regarding pediatrics, regarding the services that we have at St. Mary's Hospital um, at Trinity Health in New England. And so joining me right now to discuss our in patient unit at St. Mary's Hospital is Dr. Marta Neubauer, and she is the medical director of Connecticut Children's, which is at St. Mary's Hospital unit. And well, thank you for joining us. Doc, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. So good. How are you? Good. Did Johnny confuse you a little bit? I know he picked up the phone. He was teasing you. He's good like that. (laughs) For a second, I thought I was maybe calling into the wrong number. <laughs> yeah, no, Johnny's good at that. He, my, Our producer at WA Tarot likes to tease my docs a bit. So I tell them, come on, you guys have really, really busy days. He can't do that to you. So thank you again for joining me. And I want to just tout your, your credits here a bit. I mean, I know you were definitely our medical director um, for Connecticut Children's at the St. Mary's Unit, but you are board certified in pediatrics and... You did. A, did you do your subspecialty at the pediatric hospital medicine, right? Yes. So recently, uh, hospital medicine became its own subspecialty, and so um, was recently board certified in that. Yes. So, can you speak a little bit about that and what that means? Um, hospital medicine for pediatrics. Absolutely. So, have um, for patients or children that need to be admitted. Um, it, it used to be kind of back in the old days that the pediatricians used to come in in the morning and round on their patients. But kind of with the trend of healthcare, it's become so that the physicians kind of stay in-house and those are the, that's kind of me and my colleagues. Um, and so we specialize in the care of children that are hospitalized. And so um, are available of 24-7 and don't go to an office and mm. see outpatients, but just see the patients while they're hospitalized. 
I think that is a really unique subspecialty because I think the general public looks at pediatrics and they think of the pediatricians seeing patients on the outside, seeing the you know seeing those those patients right in their own offices, and this is somewhat similar to a hospitalist in um, the primary hospital, right? Exactly. Yes. So it's kind of the pediatric equivalent of the adult hospitalist um, that we see in outside St. Mary's on the adult side. On the adult side. Right. So I want to talk about the relationship that St. Mary's Hospital has with Connecticut Children's and what it means to have an inpatient pediatric unit. And we are the only ones in the greater Waterbury area with the inpatient service with you, correct? Exactly, yes. So it's a unique relationship where Connecticut Children's actually has a unit located within St. Mary's Hospital, but it's actually kind of Connecticut Children's beds and the Connecticut Children's nurses and physicians that normally also work in Hartford Hospital or at Hartford in the main hospital at Connecticut Children's. Um, They also work in the inpatient unit at St. Mary's. And so it's a unique relationship where we have 12 inpatient beds that can uh, serve the children in the greater Waterbury area when they need to be admitted for any illness. And who staffs it other than yourself? What is What type of staffing is on that floor? Yeah, so it's staffed 24-7 by a physician assistant or an APRN. Um, and then during daytime hours or if, um, if needed, the physicians come in and round on all the patients and stay for the day. Um, and then the pediatric nurses are there, obviously, 24-7. And they are amazing. Yes, some of them have been at Connecticut Children's, Waterbury, and St. Mary's area um, for decades. And they live and uh, work in that community, and so they are a great asset to us. And it's so comforting for a parent to have that specialty so close to home because there's times when you really don't need to go to the main hospital. We can handle... You can handle certain things right in the unit. What are some of the things that you generally will see on the unit? Exactly. Yes, that's definitely one of the benefits that children don't need to necessarily travel to Hartford if they require admission. Um, The typical diagnoses that we see um, are children with asthma or pneumonia or uh, bronchiolitis, which is a viral infection of the lungs in infants. Um, that's kind of typically in the fall, winter area, area um, fall and winter time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then stomach bugs and children that need IV <laughs> fluids, mm-hmm. uh, skin infections, jaundice. Um, and then we also have the St. Mary surgeons that operate on children when they have appendicitis. And so those children can also stay um, on our unit there. That's so important. And and what and I know that the physicians, and this may be a little bit much for the audience, but the physicians that are surgeons that can perform surgeries on the children locally, they have to also be kind of credentialed with CCMC in order to visit the children up there, right? 
Exactly. Yes. So um, we make sure that they have the proper training to be able to take care of children um, within Connecticut Children. So any doctor that sees patients on the unit is credentialed with Connecticut Children. So when you're when you get a patient to the unit and you're doing an evaluation of a patient, if it's something that can be transferred, we will transfer the patient. But if it's something immediate like an appendicitis or 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 you know a broken bone that can be fixed locally, those physicians will able be be able to perform it locally so the patient doesn't have to be transferred, right? Exactly. Yeah. So if they come to the emergency room with of appendicitis or a broken bone, the orthopedic surgeons or the general surgeons would be able to perform surgery at St. Mary's and then those patients could be admitted postoperatively on our unit. And it's so important to have a dedicated pediatric floor when you're going to be following with a child. You know, long long gone are the days where we had our pediatric patients somewhat scattered. They actually used to be on O'Brien 4. We used to have like a little pediatric section within a floor on the old O'Brien 4. So, you know, it's really interesting um, now to see it just going full circle and really getting that dedicated area within the hospital. Yeah, I think there's an advantage to having those children kind of cohorted within a, a unit because then those nurses have, have the expertise to see those, you know, to take care of those children because they right. see them day in and day out as opposed to if they're kind of scattered throughout the hospital. I want to talk a lot about the unit for sure, but then I also want to highlight some of the really neat things within Connecticut Children's too because I think the partnership really speaks for itself. I mean, the the, uh, your, the hospital, Connecticut Children's itself, is so incredibly dedicated to the care of children and what it can do and perform there. But being able to reach out to the community, and I think Waterbury is somewhat unique. Do you have other locations within the state, or is ours one of the few partnerships? So this is a unique partnership where we have a Connecticut Children's floor within another hospital, but our physicians do have partnerships with other hospitals where they have work on right. in other hospitals, but it's not necessarily of a Connecticut Children's Unit. Right, right. When um, a child is admitted and has to be transferred, do you personally handle that transfer? Does the floor personally hand it with Connecticut Children so it's seamless for the parent? Exactly. So if they're if they're admitted to the floor and at that point they require kind of services that we can't necessarily offer at St. Mary's Hospital, then they would get transferred to the main hospital in Hartford. Um, and yes, the or uh, we communicate with the physicians at the main hospital at that time to uh, um, make sure that we communicate all the things that have happened during the hospital course. Um, and have a a seamless transition. And then the Connecticut Children's Transport Team actually comes to the floor. And so... Oh, that's excellent. Connecticut Children's Nurse and um, a pediatric respiratory therapist that uh, facilitate that transfer down the floor. Wow, that's excellent. That's excellent. So you have a whole healthcare team that is it aiding in the transportation of that child to Connecticut Children's? That must be such a relief to parents, too. They must feel so cared for. 
Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the we really try to make sure that they feel comfortable throughout the entirety of their stay and make sure that they they know that we're we're doing the best we can for their child. Yeah, you know, having a sick child is the scariest thing, right? And But having a team that's dedicated and can focus on helping take care of all the stuff that needs to be done in order to provide the best care for that child. But that transfer piece could be so overwhelming personally for the family. So knowing that they have a team that's there for them and the child to aid in that, I think is huge. Exactly. I think it provides that comfort as well as just minor things like making sure that all the equipment is specially sized for kids. Right. What are some of, you know, we're talking about transferring. So, you know, Connecticut Children's provides such a wide range of services, which is why it's such a great partnership for us to be able to open the door for those services for our our younger um, population here in Greater Waterbury. What are some of the things that are done up at Connecticut Children's? Uh, do you mean at the main hospital? Yeah, at the main or? hospital. Yeah, at the main hospital. So if we transfer a patient, you know, from cardiac to to um, general ENT, I guess. Yeah, so you know, we essentially have all the pediatric subspecialties from a cardiac surgeon to neurosurgery um, to a pulmonologist that specializes in kind of lung diseases. Um ENT and have all the subspecialty surgeons are specialized for kids. Um, so there's a wide range. And along with those specialties being available at the main hospital in Hartford, we do have outpatient and specialty care centers located throughout the state. Um, I think the closest one for the residents of the greater Waterbury area may be um, either Farmington or uh, Danbury. Yep, which isn't Shelton. that bad because, you know, Waterbury is so centrally located to, to, you know, in between. So it's easy just depending on where you live in the greater Waterbury area on which one you can get to. Exactly. The nice thing about Connecticut is that, you know, it's pretty small. So getting <laughs> anywhere is, um, you know, only takes an hour right, right. So to drive true. from one end to the other. That's so true. When you talk about some of these specialties, if a child needs a consultation, is there availability before a child goes home? Would a physician be able, a specialist, come to see them at the hospital at what, at St. Mary's? Yeah, so we have... Um, a neurologist that mm-hmm. would be able to see them inpatient, a pediatric neurologist, but otherwise we're able to have do some telehealth kind of through the phone. Yeah. Um, and otherwise we set up um, referrals as an outpatient and have the appointment set up within the the next few days for follow-up. That's definitely where I was getting at because with the use of the telemedicine, you know, we've talked about, we've talked about it with a lot of the physicians that have been on in weeks um, prior um, with COVID. It's definitely one of those um, things that came out of COVID to help us be able to provide care in a time when it was hard to do face-to-face. But it has incredible opportunity in a situation like this, I would think. 
Exactly. Yeah. So Connecticut Children's was already uh, working on some telehealth options. And then when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. kind of almost forced all of those initiatives to kind of ramp up. And so um, we've, we kind of have that in- infrastructure to um, provide telehealth visits as an outpatient, but also um, kind of revving that up as an inpatient, especially at St. Mary's. So now I know the unit has, during COVID, um, was closed for a bit, um, but it's reopening again September 1st. We're excited about that. Exactly. Yes, we are too. Um, it'll be nice to get back there. And I know the I've, I've gone there because my office is upstairs and have everyone at St. Mary's is have, when they see my badge that it says Connecticut Children's, they've all said, oh, when are you coming back? We're so excited. So it, it's nice to be back and we sure feel welcome. Um, but yes, because of COVID for the summer, we were uh, closed, but we're excited September 1st. So St. Mary's has two of their own pediatricians within the medical group, Dr. Um, Allison Rivetto and Dr. Karen Kennedy. But the area pediatric groups definitely are aware of your presence and they, they refer to Connecticut children's locally, don't they? Exactly, yes. And so most of the pediatricians in the greater Waterbury area, if they need a child to be evaluated or to be admitted, they'll call the PA on the unit kind of directly and talk through the case and um, potentially uh, admit them directly to the floor or send them to the ED with us and being able to consult downstairs in the emergency room. And that's the, and actually, which is works out well because I'm going to have Dr. Carl Hellstrand on after you, who is the director of our pediatric department in the ED. And that relationship between the ED and the inpatient floor must be something that is an integral part of, of how you communicate to each other and how you better care for the patients. Exactly. Yes. So um, we have a great working relationship with the pediatric ED within St. Mary's. And um, if they have a child there that needs admission or stabilization, we freely go down to the emergency room to help out when needed and then to bring the patient up from the emergency room to the floor. That's so important, and I think that's the beauty of having the inpatient unit because you can provide the consultation um, to the patient and the family and the physicians in the emergency room real time. Absolutely. Yeah, so our PAs and APRNs are available 24-7, and they routinely just go down to give us have a second opinion sometimes when the patient's in the emergency room just to make sure if, right. if they're kind of on the edge of whether they should be admitted or be able to go home. We can have provide that extra of reassurance and um, expertise. You know, and I and I think I've said that I said this to you, but it, it always it's always super impactful um, when I've experienced it for myself within the family and then I have the ability to share it on the radio um, with the with the specialty or the physicians that were involved in a pers- on a personal level. And I know I went through this uh, last fall with my granddaughter who um, had to be admitted for RSV and 
it was amazing to watch it in action. So I can definitely speak from personal experience. You know, it may sound a little prejudiced, but truly was amazing to watch. And I purposely sometimes will take my hospital badge off when I'm involved in a situation because if someone doesn't know me, I don't want them to act differently. The care that my daughter and my granddaughter received and watching it in action, you would have thought I was the hospital president. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, it was amazing. It truly was. And the care on the floor was bar none, some of the best. And you guys provide the opportunity for the families. Of course, you want them to stay with the child, right? Yes. Um, So with COVID, there have been some visitor restrictions, but we have, as, as you mentioned now, with the state doing better in terms of prevalence, Um, we have been able to expand our visitor policy. And so um, both parents or caregivers are allowed to stay um, with the patient or allowed to visit with the patient and one caregiver um, is allowed to stay overnight. Unfortunately, um, siblings and people under 18 aren't able to um, visit currently, but having both parents be there is really important for the child's health and mental um, mental state while they're hospitalized. Will the children be tested um, for COVID when they're admitted? Do they have to be tested? Is that going to be a new protocol for inpatient? Yes, so I'm glad you asked. Connecticut Children's has a safe and sound campaign and in that campaign everyone that requires admission gets tested for um, the coronavirus and um, then everyone is also screened for potentially being at high risk and then all our staff wear masks and also are screened daily with temperature screenings as well as questions about their potential contact with with others with coronavirus um, yeah, I was in and out of the hospital four times today and literally did never left the hospital campus. And I had my temperature changed, checked four times. So we're definitely screening. They're like, oh, we got to check again. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Yes. You can never check too many times, no. I suppose. <laughs> no. And I'm running low. So I said, okay, that's good. That means I'm not hot flashing. So I know I'm good. <laughs> So I know I'm good. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Newbar, for joining me tonight and helping us to bring light onto the inpatient pediatric um, relationship that we have with Connecticut Children's. Is there anything you'd like to end with tonight that maybe we didn't touch base on? Um, No, I think we we covered a lot. I just want to make sure that people are aware that we're there and we're there to help kind of during a really scary time when their child needs medical attention and um, hopefully it's a comfort to have the care closer to home. Absolutely. You guys bring that high quality family centered care closer for us and um, we are so appreciative of that. So thank you for joining us and if you want to learn more um, about Connecticut Children um, I would encourage you to go on ConnecticutChildrens.org and you can definitely look up Dr. Neubauer. She has a great picture on their website. Thank you Doc for joining us. Talk soon. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you.
We are going to take a quick break, and then I am going to bring on Dr. Carl Hellstrand, who is the director of the pediatric department in our emergency room. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that. Who was that, Johnny? Who? Vinny. Vinny Angala, yeah. our local boy from Prospect, Connecticut. His new one. What's that CD called? Echoes of the Heart. Echoes of the Heart. Great work, Vinny Angala, one of our locals. So if you're listening to me on podcasts in the future, I highly recommend you go out and get Vinny Angala. Am I going to get credits for that? Maybe I'll get a free CD out of it, right? (laughs) But he's great. He's great. He's an incredible young man doing some great jazz. Um, Welcome back. Robin Sills again, St. Mary's Hospital, Medically Speaking. Um, We are medically speaking this evening about pediatric care in our community. Um, Again, we talk a lot about pediatrics. I usually go into this topic right before the school year, so this timing was great. And now with COVID, it's changed a little bit of how we are delivering um, care to our children, how the children are going to be living their lives throughout the fall and entering school. Um, I had on just a few minutes ago, Dr. Martin Neubauer, who is the um, director of the inpatient unit for Connecticut Children's at St. Mary's Hospital. And now I have the honor of focusing on our pediatric um, department in the ED, and I have on the phone with me right now Dr. Carl Hellstrand. He is the director of the pediatric department in our emergency room. Hi, Doc. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Did you get those trees chopped down? Oh, what a mess. Yeah, i <laughs> You got your power back. Yes, yes. I think most people do, thankfully. Thankfully. So I was I was saying earlier in the uh, when we first started the program about how we pushed our program a bit because we've had a feeling that not only yourself, but many people wouldn't have electricity and they'd have to go in the car and listen to us. So I said, you know, yeah. it's probably better we wait and do it live um, in a few weeks. So I'm glad you're in a better place yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, you are the director of our pediatric department in the emergency room. And I don't know if everybody in the community understands that we definitely do have a separate pediatric unit within our emergency room. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Sure. Um, it's actually been um, around for quite some time. I mean, it wasn't always a separate space for kids. Um, Dr. Kurt Myers, um, along with Peter Jacoby, um, uh, you know, the chair of the emergency department, kind of got this going years ago. Um, and I think it started with maybe one room in the <laughs> emergency department that was uh, dedicated to, to kids. And then slowly it grew over time. And the most newly renovated area uh, of the emergency department is um, strictly for kids. So um, all the kids that come into the emergency department are brought over to what we uh, nicely call yellow pod. Yep, I was going to mention uh, that, yellow pod. (laughs) (laughs) Which is where um, all the kids come for their care. We do have um, some uh, rooms that are closer to the front of the emergency department for the the sickest kids that need a little bit of higher uh, level care. Um, uh, but we do have a separate space uh, that the kids get to uh, enjoy to be a little bit separated from uh, the rest of the uh, primarily adult uh, volume emergency department. 
it is quite separate too. You know, it's definitely separate, and it's definitely you're you're in almost a, a space of serenity, and I think that is so important for patients and their and their parents who are so scared. Um, that their kids, number one, are six, but then to be in a, an emergency room in the city. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those um, things where uh, the entire environment uh, of where kids are um, should be should be different. Um, they should be treated differently. And it's always a work in progress um, for us to continue to make it a better space for kids. And, you know, the volume of uh, children that we see in Waterbury um, varies. It's a 13-bed unit, so we don't always have enough kids to fill that space. So sometimes we need to use some of those rooms for uh, some of our adult population, but we do still try to keep um, the, the kids separate. Um, and, you know, the uh, pediatricians, the pediatric ER doctors, and our wonderful um, advanced practitioners like our PAs and APRNs um, will see those kids in, in a separate space. Yeah, it's and I, you know, I just mentioned. I don't know if you heard my conversation with Dr. Newbar, but I had gotten to experience it um, a couple of times with my grandchildren. But um, most recently, last fall, with my granddaughter who had RSV, and the care was incredible. And you know, I, I say I purposely take my hospital badge off when I go into certain areas, just because I don't want. You know, I want to see what the experience is, right? And it was like I was sure. Dr. Schneider, our hospital president. That's how wonderful everyone was treated. Well, that's really nice to hear. It was. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. It, re- it really was. What type, of, what type of cases do you see most often that come into the emergency room? Well, I mean, just in general, it kind of is a long range. I mean, as um, pediatric ER uh, doctors, we have done uh, pediatric residency followed by a fellowship in Mm. pediatric emergency medicine. Um, So we know that uh, over the years, uh, we do see uh, quite a bit of really kind of straightforward um, pediatric issues, um, primary care issues that we see um, uh, parents bring their kids in for. And then it ranges, you know, from cuts, um, you know, the need stitches to broken bones to, you know, the most serious cases um, of kids that are, are uh, critically ill. You know, I, 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 always, I think parents are always confused. When do I bring my child to the emergency room? Right. And I know a lot of the urgent cares, they they will generally tell you. If it's a young child to, and it's not a cot or whatever, if it's especially an upper respiratory or a respiratory issue, take the, the child to the emergency room. So when does a parent get concerned? You know, what, when would you say to a parent it makes sense? Sure. So, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. And when I meet with families, with uh, parents and their, their kids in the emergency department, sometimes, you know, it's... I'll just use a silly example, like a, you know, like a stub toe or something. Right. Um, you know, the parents afterwards, you know, feel like there's, you know, uh, they apologize because they thought it was silly that they brought them in. And I'm going to be honest that I tell them that anything that worries them mm. is enough of a reason to come to the emergency department because mm. it's not their job to know if their right. child is okay or not. Yeah. That's, that's our job. And it's our job to reassure them and to make sure their child is safe. Um, to, um, you know, give them uh, what they expect, uh, which is to have, you know, a provider evaluate their child in that, in that sense. 
Um, and it's even more important now during uh, COVID time. You know, we are, are trying to make everybody, um, uh, our families in the community understand that um, it's a safe place uh, to bring their child. And um, the danger of waiting to try to determine if their child needs to come to the ER can be very dangerous. Mm. So my answer is very simple, and it's that if parents are worried about their kids for any reason um, and they feel they need to be evaluated, then that's enough reason to come to the emergency department. Thank you for that. I think that is so, I mean, you just honestly gave me goosebumps in the way that you delivered that message. That's so important because I think parents feel, especially a newbie parent. I remember when my grandson was born, our, or my daughter's first, oh my gosh, she worried about every single thing, right? So, you sure, yeah. you know, and it's, it's that new parent thing and it's the after hours where you can't get a hold of your pediatrician, you know, your, your own pediatrician or your, you know, or your, um, um, it's the weekend, yeah, whatever, you know, just to know that, you know what, I'm going to be supported. And if it worries me, that's such a good point. If it worries me, then it should be addressed. Then it should be addressed. And, and our, you know, especially now, I mean, our pediatricians uh, in the community uh, do a great job with, you know, trying to get um, visits into the office as much as they can. Uh, and during this time when there's a lot of focus on telehealth, uh, and phone calls, you know, that's, that's a little bit of a tough way to evaluate kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even for our community pediatricians, it's important for them to know that, um, you know, we're here. We're in the emergency department no matter what. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we're there to uh, to be able to um, evaluate those those kids if they need to be. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. My daughter will say to me, you know, you would say to me, you're fine. Don't worry about it. But when it comes to the grandkids, you're like, eh, maybe we better take them. <laughs> <laughs> so you know and she's if she's worried then I'm worried you know and you know coming to me as a nurse she'll look at me but then I'm uncomfortable just like you said I'm like I don't want to make that call over the phone or in a picture you're showing me I think you better call absolutely and you know for us in the emergency department you know when we evaluate them we've known that patient for you know five minutes that we've been seeing them and parents know them far better so if they feel like there's something um, that they're worried about and that needs to be to be looked at and addressed then um, then that's enough so you mentioned safety let's talk a bit about safety because i think um you know we talked about this from a general population perspective when i've had um other hospital leaders on and other physicians within trinity we talked about we had patients that weren't coming to our emergency room during the pandemic when it was at its height because they were afraid so they delayed care on certain things and what would you say to that regarding what you experienced, number one, and what's the safety of parents bringing their kids back to the ED if needed? Sure. Yeah, it's pretty striking. You know, back in uh, March for us, we saw 11% of the volume of patients, pediatric patients that we saw um, the same time last year. Um, so, I mean, the numbers completely um, dropped off. Wow. Um, and you know it's been steadily increasing but there's still a worry and parents that do come in i've heard it over and over again you know they ask if they need to 
quarantine now that they've been in the emergency department because there's this um, uh, fear that that somehow their risk of being exposed uh, to the coronavirus is so much higher just from being in our physical space. Um, and it's uh, thankfully it's it's not true. And we uh, at the hospital and, and hospitals all over the country work very hard to uh, make that not the case. Um, so delaying care uh, because of that reason can be very dangerous, like you mentioned. Um, you know, some specific examples are um, respiratory problems, kids with asthma, um, you know, during the very hot days we were having um, during the time. Those are all triggers that can make the asthma worse. Um, and if kids are having difficulty breathing, asthma inhalers maybe aren't working or their nebulizer machines, um, delaying their care in the emergency department can be very, very dangerous. Oh. Um, and the same, same thing goes with, uh, you know, the more common things that we see, like ear infections that can develop and kids can become sick, even from those. Right. Um, you know, pneumonias, uh, again, with the respiratory issues, um, you know, I've even had a few more minor, but some broken bones that parents have waited to, wow. to bring in um, that we've had to deal with. So there's a real fear, um, wow. but it can be very dangerous. Um, and in general, uh, it's been talked about quite a bit, but we work very hard to make it a safe environment. Yes. So um, having our, our triage uh, team in the front of the emergency department uh, assessing, you know, the risk for uh, possible uh, symptoms suggestive of coronavirus um, and triage them, triaging them appropriately and bringing them back to a room um, that will be safe for them to be in so they're not mixed in with the general waiting population and uh, masks put on to all patients um, and their caregivers coming into the ER. Um, our separate waiting area is separated um, uh, with social distancing in mind, um, not having seats right next to each other, but separating a few seats in between. We have our, <clears throat> excuse me, we have our um, uh, facilities team, you know, cleaning uh, thoroughly these spaces uh, on a regular basis. Um, and then, you know, as soon as we have uh, patients come into their rooms, all the providers are wearing uh, masks, and depending on their uh, risk of symptoms, you know, fever, things that might be suggestive of actual um, uh, coronavirus infections, you know, those patients are typically uh, are separated that we um, right. uh, are able to put on more PP to be safe. Um, and, uh, you know, one other thing that we do is to try to limit the amount of people um, that aren't patients or direct caregivers from coming in. So our visitation policies are, are pretty um, strictly monitored as well. I've seen that in our emergency room with with the at every level, actually, not even just in the yellow pod with the pediatric cases, but also at every level, people bringing their families in. And I know sometimes people are rides, but, you know, I know from an office setting perspective, we're very limited as to who can go in with a patient for even an appointment. Um, it's only the patient themselves unless they need care. Now, of course, a child needs assistance and the parent needs to be there, but really it's important for the community to know that limiting the amount of people there helps to reduce the risk at every level. 
Uh, that's very true. And uh, we do it only for the safety of the patients, of the staff, um, and everybody else in the, um, uh, in the hospital. Um, but we, you know, kids are a, a special population and um, they need to have you know, their, uh, their parent or caregiver with them. Uh, we just try to limit the number of those um, uh, folks that are with, with kids at one time. And, you know, we've had situations where maybe a child needs a procedure done and, and maybe, you know, mom or dad isn't <laughs> comfortable being there for that. Mm. So then, we, you know, if they need to switch out um, at some point, we can always have that conversation. Um, you know, we, we never um, uh, try to exclude anybody that needs to be involved. Uh, we do it in the safest way possible. Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking a little bit about COVID and and. As a pediatrician, I know you and I kind of touch base on this a little bit. I won't put you too much on the spot, but um, with the new school year starting, I know there are so many concerns about parents. But you and I talked, Our my grandchildren and your children actually went to the same camp in Southington and you felt pretty safe. What do you think? What do you think the way Connecticut is right now? What are your personal thoughts as a pediatrician with our kids going back to school? Yeah, it's it's a really um, tough subject. And, yeah. you know, we're talking about school, but just like you mentioned, even camps or any kind of social gatherings. And you know, thankfully, you know, it was particularly a YMCA camp. So they've you know, as a group, come up with um, ways to to try to make it safe for kids. And and it's not the same conversation all over the country. Right. Um, you know, in, in some of our uh, south and western uh, states. Um, you know, the conversation's a lot different, but uh, Connecticut has done a, a really good job um, after, you know, the first few months, uh, very scary months, right. um, to decrease their numbers. You know, the positivity rate is, is, is low. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to the rest of the country, very low. So, you know, that goes into um, uh, factoring in whether we can do these things that we're doing, talking about opening school. Uh, and, you know, the state of uh, Connecticut has very uh, thorough guidelines, but each district is going to be different. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the plans for either a, a full-time schedule, um, some kind of a split schedule between um, distance learning or, you know, e-learning and, and in school and then completely out of school learning. There's always the option for parents to do that. But, right. um, you know, for me, my thoughts that uh, for the kids themselves, um, having the plan in place for social distancing as, as much as it's possible, wearing masks, uh, having the kids be uh, able to again, be in the classroom and to be able to socialize with uh, others uh, to learn uh, from their teachers. Um, you know, there's a safety standpoint from a health standpoint, but there's also a very big um, uh, psychological uh, component to this as far as the way kids learn and the, the way they need to interact. Um, you know, it's a tough subject when you're talking about the, uh, the folks that are working in the schools, yeah. uh, the adults, uh, and being exposed to kids who, you know, we know don't always show significant symptoms, mm. um, so there's always that risk. But you know, they're taking the precautions that they feel are necessary at this point, given our our, our uh, rates of positivity in the state. Um, so I think it really uh, comes down to each individual family 
in that district, what they feel comfortable with, right. you know, what kind of um, exposures they have to family members um, at home, um, if they have any, uh, if the kids themselves have any medical problems um, right. that could put them at risk. Um, so it's really, I think, an, an individual decision. Um, with the districts doing the best they can to look at the group as a whole and offer uh, options uh, for those families to make the right decisions for them. I think you brought up such a good point, and I forgot we had talked about that, but the psychological impact of these kids staying home again and not having that socialization is real. It is It is very real, and it's a real discussion to have. Um, and, and I think the, the impact um, varies a little bit depending on ages of the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're talking about elementary school kids versus uh, more middle school uh, or high school, um, you know, we're starting to talk about uh, the effects of, of being quarantined and being isolated and, and what that means. And, you know, it's interesting uh, just personally with, uh, you know, having a six-year-old in the house that's mm-hmm. asking questions that, that wouldn't necessarily expect a six-year-old to be asking me about um, quarantine and coronavirus. So uh, it's a very real thing that that, uh, we need to be aware of and we need to uh, keep in the conversation as we start to come up with these plans for uh, for reopening. Yeah, I, my my oldest grandson is six also, and I think camp was a really big decision for my daughter, but she was really happy she did it. She too, you know, again, they, they went to also the, the Y camp in Southington, and it was, they needed that socialization. They are so happy right now. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think it, it wasn't the right decision for everybody. Right. Um, but, um, you know, parents who weigh, weigh the, the risks with the benefits um, and look at look at the way the program is um, set up, then um, if it was the right decision, then, right. Um, you know, it's nice to have the option to do that. Yeah, basically, I mean, you know, we're thinking my mom is 81. So what we're doing is every time they're done with a session of camp, which is a two-week period, I keep them away from my mom for two weeks just to be smart, you know, just to see, you know, I mean, it's worth it. You know, it makes sense. I let her FaceTime them, you know, just to to be smart. But I mean, until we know and until there's a way to do things, that's how we're going to do it. Yeah, I think that's right. And again, I think it's up to each um, family, you know, what exposures they have at home or what, right. what medical um, uh, concerns they need to they need to think about. And, you know, you might have to. Um, to be able to make one decision, you might have to make a decision to not have them around, you know, family members or something like that. So it's it's not easy. It's, it's you know, from many different angles, um, you know, parents faced with this decision if right. this is right for them or not. When they do, you know, as they're looking for a vaccine, um, will be will there be as there is for flu? Um, will children be included on a vaccine? Have you heard? It's it's still um, unknown. I mean, they just did the um, the clinical trials not too long ago here right. in the, the states. So I think there's uh, more unknowns at this at this point. Um, right. Nothing that that I know about in particular. But you know, it's important with vaccines also to think about as we get into the later summer uh, and early fall and winter that you know there's other illnesses, namely you know flu, that we need to consider. And mm. you know, some studies have suggested. And, uh, co-infections uh, potentially, you know, as we get into flu season. So, um, you know, depending on what happens with a potential, hopefully, a vaccine uh, for the coronavirus, you know, we need to be cognizant of um, the flu uh, and the flu vaccine. 
um, should be strongly considered um, uh, for sure for for kids. Uh, you know, starting now, basically, um, the AAP is recommend you know um, starting now, starting in September, um, to vaccinate kids for the for the flu. Do you think that the flu season potentially, because we are practicing the masking, um, hand washing, a little, you know, the social distancing, that for kids, we may hopefully not see as big uh, an impact? It will be really interesting to see yeah. um, as, as, we, as we get through this season. But, you know, basic hygiene um, uh, as far as washing hands, and now we have kind of the added... Um, uh, protection of, of wearing masks, uh, which are going to be, you know, mandatory, mm-hmm. which are mandatory in most places. Um, those are certainly uh, going to help um, uh, with that. So it will be very interesting to see uh, what what the impact uh, ultimately will be. Well, it sounds it, it sounds like we're well on the way um, to our next school year, and I'm hoping that the kids can do it safely and you know and and get and ensure that the kids' psychological and physical health are both thought of as they move forward with it. Yes, absolutely. So I want to, I know we only have a few minutes left, believe it or not, Doc. So I want to make sure that um, we highlight what you and I really wanted to talk about is the safety of our um, yellow pod, our pediatric um, department within the ED, and um, families should feel safe bringing their children there. Anything else you want to end with? Um, I really just want to highlight that um, that we are open and we are here to care for uh, the kids in, in Waterbury in the greater community. Uh, we have uh, pediatric emergency uh, medicine doctors there, not 24 hours a day, but we have our wonderful uh, advanced practitioners um, uh, that are there to see kids uh, also in this separate space. Um, it's a clean space. It's a safe space. And I would say that if parents are concerned about their child, um, that's enough reason uh, to come to the ER for an evaluation. Right. Uh, they'll never be questioned about that. Um, and to the uh, pediatricians in the community that, that were there to, um, uh, to see these families, um, if, if there's a concern that, um, uh, that they need to be evaluated. You also work with the local pediatricians, too, not just the ones that are um, part of Training Health in New England, but our community partners um, in the community refer patients directly to you from yeah. their offices, yeah. right? They they do, and, and we talk on the phone quite a bit about um, uh, patients that they'd like for uh, to be seen in, in the emergency department, and, you know, it's one of those things where geographically, you know, we have two um, children's hospitals in the state in Hartford and New Haven, um, but those are far away. So a lot of times it's um, very nice uh, to have the local resource uh, right. at St. Mary's with pediatricians and pediatric ER doctors um, there. Uh, and of course, uh, with Dr. Neubauer and um, the CCMC Waterbury in the hospital, That's wonderful. Uh, we can really have the service for uh, the families in our Waterbury, you know, the greater Waterbury area to uh, be able to stay um, right. and, and not, not have to think about that, uh, the burden of, of traveling so far. That's awesome. Well, Dr. Carl Hellstrand, Director of our Pediatric Department in the Emergency Room, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. And um, I look forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks. It was nice to talk with you. All right. Great. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
So again, I want to thank um, both of our pediatricians um, for joining me this evening, Dr. Martha Neubauer. She is a general pediatrician, and she focuses on hospital pediatrics right at Connecticut Children's at St. Mary's, and Dr. Carl Hellstrand, Director of Pediatric Department in our ED, The Yellow Pod. I hope this information was helpful. I'd love for everyone to have a great um, and healthy weekend. This is Robin Sills, St. Mary's Hospital, Trinity Health of New England. Have a great night. 